Divorce rates in the U.S. are declining, except for people over 50. 20 years ago, it was one in 10. Today, it's one in four. On today's show, we'll talk about mistakes to avoid when divorcing after 50 and offer tips to help keep your retirement on track. It's all about your retirement. You're going to want to have an additional check to come in to maintain your lifestyle. For the retirement referees, Steve Caruso knows all the plays of the game. One thing we know for sure is that life isn't static. Retirement doesn't have to be complicated. Things are going to happen to you over the course of your retirement. Whatever the future, planning is key. The easiest way to make decisions from strength is to have money to fall back on. Welcome in to the Retirement Referee with Steve Caruso. Welcome, everybody, to The Retirement Referee with Steve Caruso. It's the show where we blow the whistle on financial fouls. I'm your consumer advocate, Teresa Opega. Steve is the best-selling author of Cookie Cut This, Retirement Distribution Strategies for the Nonconformist. He's also president and founder of Laurel Wealth Solutions with offices throughout the eastern seaboard. He is a fiduciary with over two decades of experience. You can also check out his website, laurelwealthsolutions.com. Welcome, Steve. How are you today? I'm great, Teresa. How are you? I am doing fabulous. I, it's just nice. It's the weekend, taking it easy, kicking back. Good, good, good. Yeah. So so something you may not be happy uh, about is divorce. And divorce proceedings can pull the plug on your retirement dreams. You know, you got legal fees, therapist bills, possibly, and single-handedly shouldering the bills you once shared. That can drain your savings. But you can protect your financial future by avoiding these all-too-common mistakes. That first one, failing to create an inventory of assets. Yeah, no, Teresa, divorce is definitely a a more common topic today. And, uh, you know, one of the things that we see, unfortunately, is that one time one spouse will have a better understanding of the couple's finances than the other. And the person likely, you know, has a a better grasp of where the money is and can potentially move things around. Uh, And we'll talk about uh, why that's dangerous for that person to do that. But, you know, they have a solid idea of how much money the investment accounts hold, the value of the assets, how much is in their savings. And the other partner may not be up, you know, as up to speed. So if you're the latter person, you want to take an inventory of the assets that you have before attempting to split them. And you also don't want to just blindly follow your spouse. And the reason we see this so much with couples over 50 is that you, you know, typically you, a lot of those relationships, the people have been married 20 plus years and you just kind of settle into roles. And so like, for example, I had a a couple that just recently got divorced Uh um, and the wife knew that they had these properties, but then when she went to look at all the title and stuff and such, Uh she noticed that they were, she had signed the title over to her husband. He had just asked her to sign something and he said, oh, um, you know, something for the, you know, for the real estate tax and didn't explain to her and she just trusted him and signed it. Um, oh, so, you know, things like that happen. Uh-huh. Um, and sometimes one spouse might have been contemplating the divorce in their mind for a significant amount of time before the divorce. And so um, you always want to just know what you have. You don't want to just blindly trust. Right, right. That's definitely important. Um, also, holding on to the house is another one. Yeah, no, giving up giving up your money is is not a pleasant thing. Um, and the house is kind of the most, the largest asset that many of us have. And sometimes it can be kind of a sentimental asset as well. So if you end up in your family home and you, you know, you think, um, 
you want to keep it because it might be your refuge and not moving it might seem like it'd be less disruptive, especially if you have children still living in the home. But it can also be a money pit because when you're paying for that home, you're paying for it on two salaries, but now it's just you. So the upkeep, the property tax, the emergency repairs, all of that's going to fall on you if you get the house. So before you decide to stay, you may want to figure out if you can actually afford that and take an inventory of your own financial situation post-divorce. And so um, it may be better to come to some kind of amiable agreement and come to an understanding ahead of time. And one of the things that like the house, um, the contents in the house, what you want to try not to do is, is be petty and start to fight because what that does is create animosity. And the only person that really wins on that is the divorce attorneys. Mm -hmm. So if you can just kind of try and detach yourself from the situation emotionally and try and really think about, well, what is my, my, my life going to look like after the divorce? Am I going to really want to stay in this house or am I just, or am I just fighting with this person? Cause the house means, you know, it has an emotional attachment to me. Right, right. 800-705-9995, 800-705-9995 to get in touch with Steve. Yeah, this next one is is good for anybody. Um, not knowing what you owe, that is important. Yeah, no, absolutely. You want to have a good handle on what you have in debt. Um, you know, we make that promise to have and to hold, but it can come back and bite you in the uh, on the way out the door. Um, in nine of the states in our country, they have community property laws. Um Arizona, California, Idaho, Louisiana, Nevada, New Mexico, Texas, Washington, and Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. And so in those states, you're held responsible for half of your spouse's debt, even if it's not in your name. And so, um, you know, it's important that you know what your debt is. So if you have one spouse who's irresponsible with credit cards and maybe has cards that you didn't know about, um, you definitely want to consider running a credit report and seeing what lines of credit are open. Um, and, and knowing, knowing that ahead of time. Um, so, and also you also want to be leery of anyone making large borrowing transactions. Um, you don't, you don't want to, you don't want to, and I've seen this also firsthand with clients and it can come back and bite them as well, where, um, a client will take out, uh, they, they've con they they know in their head that they're getting divorced in say two months or three months or that they're intending to, to leave the marriage. And then they take out uh, a home equity line and put put the money in their in a separate bank account, and you know they don't even the the spouse doesn't even know about it. Um, so you want to you want to also have someone who knows what what to look at and what reports to run um, to make sure that those type of things don't happen to you. Right, right, definitely important. Also, ignoring tax consequences can't forget about those. Yeah, so just about every financial decision you can make during a divorce is going to come with a tax bill. So um, you can either take the alimony or you could take a lump sum payment. Um, you want to look at the types of accounts that you're going to be getting in the divorce. Some of those have embedded taxes in them, whether it be from capital gains or uh, retirement accounts where you're going to eventually have to pay the income tax. So you want to make sure if you're splitting it equitably that you're not taking the higher taxable assets and leaving the other person with um, with assets that are tax free. And, you know, as it is, you know, the divorce is going to impact income and, and other things as well. And also forgetting about health insurance. Yeah, so this is a biggie. Uh, if your spouse's policy has covered you, you may be in for a nasty and expensive surprise. And so these are all kind of issues that we 
um, need to look at when we're when we're looking and planning for someone with a divorce. And so, um, you know, one of the things that we do in our plans, Teresa, is we're going to look at your individual situation. So if you're going through a divorce, one of the things that we'd help you do is kind of locate assets, make sure you have a, an appropriate inventory of what you have. We'll try and find those hidden assets um, by looking in the right places. And then we'll also kind of make sure that your your financial record is complete, meaning you know from looking back forensically at the tax returns and the account statements that you have a, a good record of what you have. Um, and then what we're going to do is is kind of create craft that same well-defined goal that we always talk about. But now just instead of it based on the two of you, it'll be based on you and what your, your life is going to look like post-divorce, creating budgets. And what are the steps that you need to do to kind of get back on track? Because your retirement is going to take a hit. And that's something that we do for all of our clients. Um, but particularly when you're going through a, a divorce, we want to we want to look at what the implications of are that, and we're going to make our plan available to the first 15 callers today. So if you call in, you'll get that absolutely for free. That's a plan that we normally charge for. Um, first 15 callers today will get a comprehensive retirement distribution plan absolutely free. 800-705-9995, 800-705-9995. This is for retirees and pre-retirees. It's common sense planning and straight talk instead of financial double talk and a sales pitch. Again, that number, 800-705-9995, 800-705-9995. What's on the way next, Steve? The order in which you take your money from your retirement savings is critical. It can save you money on taxes, allow your accounts to continue to grow, and can help you get the most out of your nest egg. Details just ahead. You are tuned to the Retirement Referee with Steve Caruso. I'm your consumer advocate, Teresa Opeka. Steve is a fiduciary with over two decades of experience and is a sought-after speaker. And he's been brought in to train advisors, some of the largest financial firms and insurance companies across the country. Um, you know, and that's so important. And you definitely want someone with the experience and being a fiduciary, folks, because he cares about what's important to you, not important to his bottom line or seeking a commission, a fiduciary. They're looking out for your best interests. And one thing a fiduciary can take you through, it's decumulation, meaning you're starting to take your retirement. And that process, that can be tricky. But the good news is your advisor can help you walk down the right path and offer some tips on what you should and what you shouldn't be doing. The first one, it's not starting with your investment income. You want to explain that a little bit more, Steve? Yeah, so basically you have to make these decisions in the context of a plan. Mm -hmm. So everyone's assets that they've saved up are not equal, right? So people have different amounts saved, and they've saved them in different accounts. And so you want to try and – one of the most important things is you want to try and manage your tax bracket. So – Planning in, in retirement for distributing your assets is a completely different skill set than planning for retirement. Mm -hmm. When you're planning for retirement, you typically have 20 or so years, say, before you're going to retire and you're plugging money in in your 401k. And if the market does poorly, you're, you know, if you if you contribute to the wrong type of account, it's not that big of a deal because you're not touching it. But when you're pulling the money out, it it can have devastating effects. And so you want to definitely not just have your assets lined up correctly. You want to pull from the correct accounts first. Mm -hmm. And so the analogy we always make is that, you know, when you're 
say you were a hiker who was planning to go to Mount Everest, people spend tons of time preparing to, to summit and, you know, to make the climb, right. but they don't, they don't spend as much time on coming down the mountain and actually more people perish on the way down than on the way up. And so, um, because it's a different skill set coming down as opposed to coming up and same idea here. So when you're withdrawing from your investments, you want to take it from the accounts, um, that are going to be the most tax efficient and you want to give the accounts that have the most tax advantages like Roth IRA, the most time to compound and accumulate. And so, um, now, if you've saved a lot in your retirement accounts, you also have to consider what that balance will be uh, when you get to 72 and have to start taking minimum distributions. Well, why is that important? Well, let's. I work with a lot of state employees and a lot of federal employees. A lot of those employees are going to have pensions. And so perhaps they've also saved a, a, a large amount in their tax deferred account or their TSP. And that money is all pre-tax and they let it, they let that money grow. And now they get to 72 and they have a six figure minimum distribution that they have to take out and they can no longer control their tax bracket for the remainder of their retirement. Um, they're automatically going to be in a higher tax bracket. Well, if you know that ahead of time, you can make course corrections. And so typically you want to start from your lowest yielding, most tax efficient accounts. But there are situations where you may want to start your IRA distributions a little bit early as well. So it's not just segmenting your assets. It's also looking at the tax properties of your assets. Okay. Okay. And you do this every day. You take people through all of this and help help it make sense. So that's a good thing because it can get confusing with all of that. Um, also, too, claiming Social Security benefits at 62. Right. So the majority of people will actually claim Social Security benefits at 62. But if you want to maximize your Social Security benefits, um, it's better uh, to wait until your full retirement age or beyond. Um, and if you want to get the number that's on the statement for your full retirement benefit, you need to work till your full retirement age. And so that's another mistake that that a lot of people uh, make or overlook, or even sometimes planners will overlook it. If you're retiring at, say, 57 or 60 and you're thinking, well, I'm going to defer my Social Security to 62, and the number that they show me on my Social Security statement says this. Well, you can't really plan on that number because that number is presupposing that you continue to work until 67. So there are ways to calculate based on what you're actually going to be working, what your Social Security will be. And so you want to work with a planner who's using accurate projections of Social Security. Um, the other major benefit is um, if you defer beyond for retirement, right? So what happens if you get to 67, but you don't really need that social security? Well, you can defer it up to age 70 and it will grow by 8% a year until you hit age 70. That's a government guaranteed 8% growth. That's a lot better than what you would get in a lot of private sector alternatives. Uh, so it's it definitely makes sense to consider deferring social security and not just blindly take it at 62. And we've talked about this a lot on the show, but the, the reason a lot of us, the majority of people take it at 62 is because they look at anecdotal data and they, they don't want to miss out, right? Mm -hmm. There's a fear of missing out that it, I worked for this social security and I'm going to take it because I could be dead at 67. Well, the greater likelihood is if you make it to 62, chances are you're going to make it into your 80s statistically. Right. So you're shooting yourself in the foot, um, you know, figuratively. If, if, if you do that, so 
Yeah. Yeah. 800-705-9995. 800-705-9995. And withdrawing from your 401k and IRA before your RMDs kick in. Yeah. So you can start withdrawing from your 401k or your IRAs uh, when you turn 59 and a half. Or if you're a government employee um, and you are you worked until 55 and you're under 59 and a half, they, if you keep the plan in your your TSP, you'd be able to withdraw that also without penalty early. But that doesn't mean it's a good idea. The law doesn't require you to start taking minimum distributions until you're 72. And so that's money that could be potentially growing and compounding. Where it can make sense is in the example that I was saying before, where you have other income sources um, and you don't need that money to live on, but by compounding it, you would throw yourself into a higher tax bracket. So in that one set of circumstances, it might make sense in order for tax bracket management because our tax brackets are progressive, meaning the the more income you make in any one year, um, the higher percentage tax you pay. And so you want to be working with someone who who understands that and is looking at your individual set of circumstances and not giving you cookie cutter advice. And that's something you could help everybody out with. Yeah, of course. And so we still have uh, 10 spots left, I believe. Uh, And Mm -hmm. what we do is we go through a strategic development process with you. And so what we're going to do is review your tax returns, your long-term tax issues, uh, your IRAs, what, what capital gains exist, what, um, what may be taxable, including your social security. And we'll map out um, what's going to happen if you stay where you are now. And then we'll make some small tweaks and changes and show you, our, here's what happens if you do this, kind of what if scenario planning. What we're trying to do is establish your well-defined retirement goal, because once we know what your retirement is going to look like and what your life is going to look like, we can we can assign a cost to it. And once we can assign a cost to it, we can figure out the right way to have you allocated, the right types of accounts to have. That's something that we do for our clients, and it's something we're making available for the next 10 callers. 800-705-9995. 800-705-9995. Today is your opportunity to build the tomorrow that you want. Pick up the phone and call Steve. 800-705-9995. 800-705-9995. Steve is an advisor you can trust. No cookie cutter approach here, folks. Again, that number, 800-705-9995, 800-705-9995. And what do we have got coming up in our third segment, Steve? The market continues to show signs of volatility with no end in sight. We're going to come back with some tips to help make sure market volatility doesn't disrupt your retirement savings. And thank you for spending some of your Sunday with us. You are listening to The Retirement Referee with Steve Caruso. I'm your consumer advocate, Teresa Opeka. Steve is the best-selling author of Cookie Cut This, Retirement Distribution Strategies for the Nonconformist. You can also check out his website, laurelwealthsolutions.com. He is president and founder of Laurel Wealth Solutions with offices throughout the eastern seaboard. And um, some of the things you help people out with are estate planning, financial planning, health insurance, investment management, legacy planning. I could go on. You've, <laughs> you've got a, a wide array of services that you provide to your clients. Yeah, no, we, we absolutely, we, we try and do everything that is necessary for our clients. 
And that's what you need, especially in today's volatile market. You just don't know what's going to be happening. So you need someone you could trust. Speaking of, it's been a wild day, week, month, year in the market. It's ever since COVID struck. It's just been... uh, who knows what's going to happen? And if it's got you concerned, you're not alone. So we're going to go over some steps you could take to help you weather the market storm on the horizon. First one, definitely make sure you're invested appropriately for your age. And so your age is is important, and that that's for sure uh, when it comes looking to when it comes at looking for at your investments. However, you might have heard these rules of thumb out there that say you should have your age in bonds. Right. Uh, or you need to have, you know, you need to go more more conservative as you get older. You don't want to just blindly take advice. You have to look at your situation and what you're trying to accomplish. If you've saved up enough money to live the lifestyle that you want, and that's what a financial plan will do for you, it will show you whether or not you're on track, then de-risking could make sense. If you're not yet at your goal and you still have some time before you get to your goal retirement age, it could be appropriate to have a higher concentration in stocks. So you don't want to just blindly say, hey, I, I'm, I'm in my 60s and now I have 90% in stocks. Um, it's not the best idea. Well, unless you've looked at your situation, if you're 62 and you're planning on retiring at 69, it might be perfectly acceptable for you to have 90% of your um, IRA in stocks. So it really depends on your individual situation. And so, um, you know, you want to look and have the allocation based on when you're going to spend the money. And so what we call that is the bucket approach. And so you want to time segment your asset allocation based on when you're going to use the money. So it's perfectly acceptable for money that you're not planning on spending in the next five years to have a a high percentage of that in stocks. What you don't want to have in stocks is money that's going to be spent in the next two or three years. Um, so you want to really basically look at what your, your spending is and segment it into those, the, the bucket. So we call that the liquid bucket, the income bucket and the growth bucket. And with the liquid bucket, what you're doing is you're looking at money that you know is going to go out the door in the next two to three years. And you want to have that money safe and and in something that's liquid. Um, with the growth bucket, that's money that you're not going to touch in the next five years or beyond, and that can be a little bit more aggressive. And then the income bucket would be if you have an income shortfall, you need something to to replace that check. Mm -hmm. And so it's it's about what the assets do for you and what they do towards accomplishing your goals, as opposed to just following some kind of cookie cutter asset allocation, like a 60-40 portfolio Mm -hmm. or a target date 2025. Um, You want to actually look at your goals and what your projected spending is and align your investments with that. Good advice. Following up with that is having a diverse portfolio. Sure. I mean, you want to maintain a healthy mix of, of different types of assets in your retirement accounts. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what's going to protect you from volatility. Now, I say of, of different types of investment assets as opposed to just stocks and bonds. Um, so there are different growth assets besides stocks. There are different income assets beside bonds. Too often, we look at things as just plain vanilla stocks and bonds. And we've been trained in our head that you know it's a stock and bond portfolio because that's what the financial firms advertise if you watch a Fidelity ad or a mutual fund ad, because most of their funds are stock and bond funds. But 
a diverse portfolio is going to include other types of, of assets as well, not just stocks and bonds. So that could that could even be things like bank assets like CDs. It could be real estate assets. Uh, it could be insurance assets like annuities. So you want to have a mix uh, of, of not just uh, asset classes, but of different types of investments as well, um, because different investments accomplish different things. And you want to have the investment that produces the goal for the, you know, the fewest amount of dollars, basically. So you want to look at the most efficient investment to accomplish whatever it is you're trying to accomplish with that money. 800-705-9995, 800-705-9995 to get in touch with Steve. But, you know, through all of this, you you got to keep contributing to your retirement account. That's just just important. You don't, you don't want to stop that. Well, yeah. So it, when the market gets a little bit crazy, like we, we had a, in March of uh, 2020, where the market went back huge during the beginning of the pandemic, it's um, it's tempted to just pull away and say, you know what, I'm going to I don't, I don't want to lose anymore. I can't, I can't, I'm going to go to the sidelines. I'm going to reduce my contributions. Don't do that. That's actually the worst thing that you could do. Mm -hmm. So the, you only have a limited time to pump money into your retirement account. And if you're closing in on retirement, that's the time you want to be really kind of pumping as much as you possibly can, because hopefully at the point where you're nearing retirement, your kids are through school. Maybe you've paid down your mortgage. So you should have some more money available to pump towards your retirement. So you want to be able to do that. Second, when you're investing, when the market is down, you're getting a chance to get the same stocks at discounted prices. So you have a, an opportunity when that the market comes back up to have more shares and to grow your money more. And so even though those times are scary, they can be a huge opportunity for you because we know that the stock market is eventually going to come up. Why do we know that? Well, in a one-year basis, the market goes down about 30% of the time. On a five-year basis, the market goes up a little over 90% of the time. And there's never been a 15-year period in the history of the market where it hasn't, it hasn't increased. So we know that the market will eventually come back. So you're buying those shares at a discounted rate, and then when it comes back up, you have more shares. So you definitely, those are the times you want to be pumping in, not, not pulling away. What if we told you that realistically you could retire two years sooner? Would that would that have some some impact on your life? And and so that's one of the things that we do and what having a plan will do for you. And we still have five spots left. And we're going to do that plan absolutely for free for the next five callers. It's going to be a financial x-ray of your situation now. Um, we're going to do a volatility analysis and show you what we think your portfolio will return going forward based on the way you have it now and what the risk level of that portfolio is. And so you're going to have a good sense of where you stand today. And then we're going to apply those numbers to your own individual situation and say, well, based on what your lifestyle looks like in retirement and based on the date that you said you what you, you could work till what the, what the numbers are telling us is that you could actually retire a year sooner, or it might say, you're not quite on pace yet. And here's some of the things that you need to change in order to get on pace. But knowing allows you to make good decisions. And that's that's the peace of mind that we we provide with these plans. And like I said, we have five more spots left. 800-705-9995, 800-705-9995. And if something we're talking about today resonates with you, whether it's tax planning, Social Security, health care, or just that overall big picture, maybe you want to get a second opinion. 
Well, call Steve, 800-705-9995, 800-705-9995, and take the stress out of planning for your future. One more segment left, Steve. What's coming up? Here we go again. Questions from our listeners and answers from me. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Retirement Referee with Steve Caruso. I'm your consumer advocate, Teresa Opeka. Steve is the best-selling author of Cookie Cut This, Retirement Distribution Strategies for the Nonconformist. Time now for listener questions. First up is Phyllis in University Park. I am 62 and I have been receiving widow's benefits for two years. I'm able to receive pensions from two previous employers when I reach 65. Will these pensions be considered income regarding the Social Security earnings test? Yeah, what about that? That's that's a different question. Yeah, so it's it, it's a good question, Phyllis, and it is the answer is no. So because pensions are not technically earned income. So when we talk about the Social Security earnings test, what we're talking about more specifically is uh is you know the earnings that you make while you're collecting Social Security. So if you're making more than eighteen thousand nine hundred and sixty dollars, for every two dollars you make above that, you lose a dollar. Um, but it's only earned income. It's not um, pensions, which are are technically passive income. Oh, okay, okay, that's good to know. Um, next up is Paul in Mineola. I'm currently 60 years old, single, and receiving a pension. I plan to remarry in a year. Will my new wife receive my pension in the event of my death? Well, you said the key thing there, Paul. Uh, you're receiving your pension already. So usually pension elections are irrevocable. So once you've started to take the pension and you were single when you took the pension, so I'm assuming you took it with no survivor benefit. And so... Um, that being the case, it's uh, unlikely that you would be able to uh, add a survivor benefit after the commencement of the pension. But it's one of those things that we could look into one on one. Okay. Okay. Next up is Michael in Bay Lake. I'm 63 years old and own my own company. I have $300,000 balance in my S, my SEP IRA, and I'd like to retire in two years. What steps should I be taking now to make sure I'm getting the most out of it and not get kicked in taxes? That's a very good question, Michael. What you're looking at with the SEP IRA is you want to plug as much money. That's the first thing I would say is plug as much money as you possibly can into the SEP. So typically, you're going to be able to put away um, in excess of up to $60,000 uh, into the SEP, depending on your earnings. And so um, I would say you'd want to definitely maximize your contributions over the next two years. Now, in terms of getting the most out of it, uh, you're 63. You don't have to touch the money or even take an income from it until 72. So let's let's say you retire at 65 and let's just say you made the two contributions. Um, so now let's just say your account after the in two years is worth, say, $430,000. That $430,000, if you let it grow for another seven years till you're 72, and let's just say the stock market grows at 10%, which is the long-term historical average for the stock market, your four hundred and thirty dollars will have almost doubled to $860,000. And so um, 
that I would say is getting the most out of your SEP. Now you will have to take minimum distributions for that and you'd have to have other income sources to survive off of um, for that seven year period before you started. So we don't make decisions outside the context of a plan. If you're asking kind of a one-off question, how, how do I do it? That's how you do it. But you'd want to make sure that that is a workable solution inside the context of a plan. Okay. All right. And next up, we've got Peggy in Oak Ridge. And uh, Peggy says, I'm 58 years old and currently going through a divorce. My husband has usually handled all of our savings and investments, so I'm a little nervous about how to handle things myself, even though I'll be getting a substantial sum of money from the divorce. How should I go about getting set up on my own, financially speaking? Well, one of the things you have to do, Peggy, is, is actually take, a, take stock of where you are right now in your life. And... Yes, you're getting this substantial amount of money, but it's now going to have to last you the rest of your life. So you have to think about, all right, well, what are what am I going to be doing going forward? Where am I going to be living? Um, what are what are the types of activities I like to do? What are some of the things I'm going to want to do? And so you have to really think about what your lifestyle is going to look like. If you want to continue working, I don't know how large the the sum of money is, um, or is the sum of money enough for you to to maintain your lifestyle without working. So you basically want to create a plan. And if, if it's not enough for you to live on, then you need to figure out a way to rebuild your assets. So you need to take strategies now to start to rebuild your savings to what it was pre-divorce. Um, and you have to, most importantly, you have to take a more active engagement. So you mentioned that your husband handled all of the savings and investments. You don't want to just blindly trust a bank representative or leave all your money in a, a bank or with uh, a broker or whatnot. You want to understand why you own the, the products that you own and uh, had a real life uh, situation like this recently where um, a client got about a $5.8 million brokerage account from her divorce settlement. But, and she also got a property that was very expensive to maintain and she was paying the money had always been handled by the husband and she was paying the advisor that they used together. However, the advisor, when the account split, raised her fee to a percent and a half. Now, you do the math on a percent and a half on $6 million, that's $90,000 a year that uh, that advisor was making. Now, that puts you behind the eight ball. So it's but if you're not taking an active control of your finances and you're not actively involved, things like that slip through the, the, the cracks uh, because you're not paying attention to it. So you want to definitely sit, create a plan, understand why you have the assets that you have, understand the most efficient strategy for you and really start to take control would be my, my, my advice, Peggy. And so that's what we do. I mean, that's, um, you know, we're going to um, design a plan for our clients and for the callers of this show, we still have three more spots left. Um, it's going to be customized to meet your, your individual needs. And it's, uh, we're going to look at opportunities to help preserve and grow your, your assets. Um, and so if you're more concerned about preservation, then we can show you the best way to preserve the assets. Um, but you still want to have something growing. And so we want, we want to have you avoid those type of mistakes, the ones that are easily avoidable. And, we want to make stuff easy to follow and easy to understand. We want you to be able to tell us back why you own the things that you own so that 
if we've done our job correctly, you walk out of there and you can explain to someone, oh, I, I have this account. And the reason I have that is because it does this, this, and this for me in retirement. And so that knowing and having clarity on, uh, on your situation gives you peace of mind and, and most importantly helps you sleep well at night. And we still have three more spots left. That's right. And the number to call Steve, it's 800-705-9995, 800-705-9995. Again, this is your opportunity to build that tomorrow that you want. You just need to sit down and get that financial roadmap put together. Steve, he'll, he's going to translate the complex financial world to something that makes sense. It's an excellent chance for you to get a true practical financial review. And that, um, the, the financial review, it's going to show you where you are now, but most importantly, the review is going to show you a roadmap to get you where you need to be. And you've got nothing to lose and you've got everything to gain. And, you know, peace of mind, you can't put a price on that. Call Steve right now. Get in before the show ends and just a couple spots left. 800-705-9995, 800-705-9995. Another great show, Steve. I'm looking forward to next weekend. As am I, Teresa. Have a wonderful weekend. Enjoy your Sunday evening. You as well. And we'll see you right back here next weekend for the Retirement Referee with Steve Caruso.